WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by Special Light in Decatur and Benton Harbor. There's a good chance you've walked through a Special Light door when you go to a local restaurant, school, store, or plant. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. The number of primary voters casting ballots for governors expected to reach pre-pandemic levels on Election Day tomorrow. Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson is expecting between two and two and a half million ballots will be cast during the primary. Western Michigan University political science chair John Clark says there are a lot of unknowns. Generally speaking, the folks that vote in primaries are either people who hold really strong partisan views or who tend to be uh, more liberal on the Democratic side or, or more conservative on the on the Republican side. And so it's not it's not a great representation of the whole electorate. Clark says the lines are new because of redistricting. Meanwhile, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson says voters will be safe and their rights will be protected in tomorrow's primary election and in the general election come November. She spoke today to assure voters her office has worked with local clerk's offices across the state to ensure that they'll know all the rules and what to do if there are attempts at disruptions. Benson also noted it may take a while to learn the winners of primaries due to the high number of absentee ballots. Bad actors could wrongly claim that the time it takes to finish counting absentee ballots is evidence of malfeasance rather than simply acknowledging the truth that counting often continues long after polls close because the Michigan State Legislature has not provided Michigan election clerks time before Election Day to pre-process absentee ballots. Benson said there could be additional confusion if some media outlets report numbers that don't take absentee votes into account. She urged anyone who witnesses voter intimidation or election interference to contact their local clerk, police, or the voter protection hotline at 866-OUR-VOTE. The Benton Township Police Department is investigating a fatal hit-and-run that occurred on Friday. It says officers were dispatched to the area of Walnut and Chicago Streets about 10.15 p.m., They found a 48-year-old Benton Township man in the road. He was taken to Beaumont Health Spectrum Health Lakeland Hospital, where he was pronounced dead. Based off information from witnesses to the crash, police say the suspect vehicle may have been a 1997 through 2003 Ford F-150 pickup, red in color with possible driver's side headlight and bumper damage. No suspect has yet been identified. Police ask anyone with information on the incident to contact them. After celebrating 100 years of winemaking last year, Pawpaw-based St. Julian Winery has announced a new milestone. A fourth generation will lead the family business going forward as Apollo Braganini II has been named president. He's the sixth family member to head the company and says he's honored to carry on the family legacy and lead the company as it turns the page on a new century of operations. Growing up, I've got tons of memories of the place, from hanging out with my brother and my cousins, all the way to working in the tasting rooms during high school. So yeah, this is a, a very memorable place, lots of special memories that come along with it. So you know, our goal here is just to continue to try to grow the business, continue to upgrade and outfit this place to make it one of the top wineries in the world. St. Julian is Michigan's largest and longest operating winery, and it's been family-owned since it was founded in 1921 by Mariano Maconi. The company's been in its pawpaw location since 1941 and continues to use 100% local fruit in its winemaking. An athletic trainer who helped to start fitness programs at Renaissance Athletic Club in Benton Harbor before he was killed in a vehicle crash last year is being honored by the club with a new training room dedicated to him. Renaissance manager Laura McCoy tells us Jason Rayner was an NFL trainer, Nike master trainer, and founder of Trainer Rayner LLC. 
She says Rainer was instrumental in starting the RAC's personal training program and workplace wellness program. The owner, Sean Todman, decided that he wanted to, it was his way to honor Jason and his commitment to fitness and his legacy that goes along with the health and wellness and training and space. He was passionate about what he did, and we just wanted that passion to continue. McCoy says the new Jason Rayner training studio will have its grand opening August 18th. It's designed as a one-on-one space so customers can work with their trainers without anyone bothering them. The ribbon-cutting event will, be a f- will include a free hit class, tastings from North Pier Brewing and Good Boy Vodka, food samplings, and with music by DJ Snacks. It'll be held from 4.30 to 6.30 on the 18th. Everyone's invited. A new Dollar General store opened this week in St. Joseph. Located in Royalton Township, just north of the recently closed Pater True Value on M139, the roughly 10,600-square-foot store projects to employ 6 to 10 people, according to a press release. At a Royalton Township board meeting in December of 2021, a building official, Bill Boyes, said the store would be owned by the same people who own the Dollar General in Baroda. To commemorate the opening of the location, Dollar General plans to donate 100 new books to a nearby elementary school. There's an ongoing debate about whether or not we're in a recession. Michigan State University economics professor Charles Ballard says no, not yet. We have indeed had declining real GDP for two quarters in a row, but the job market is still hot. We've been adding more than 300,000 jobs a month this entire year. And and when you're adding that many jobs, you're not in a recession. Ballard says people should be saving money as much as possible and looking for bargains when they can. And the Lake Michigan College Mendel Center's Volunteers of the Year for 2021 and 22 are Lois and Vern Bruker of St. Joe. They received the honor July 13th during the annual Volunteer Appreciation Reception. Both volunteered at the Mendel Center for six years and volunteer elsewhere around southwest Michigan. Mendel Center volunteers are responsible for ensuring patron safety, ushering, patron assistance, and other assignments related to show operations. The Volunteer Corps assists with events, including main stage performances, the annual Lake Michigan College Commencement Ceremony, Lake Michigan College Visual and Performing Arts Department performances, and Economic Club of Southwestern Michigan Speaker Series engagements. WSJM at News Now continues with your Bloomberg Report. WSJM News Now continues. A new update today from President Biden's physician as he continues to isolate with what's known as a rebound case of COVID after taking the drug Paxlovid. More from ABC's Karen Travers. President Biden, quote, continues to feel well, but again tested positive for COVID-19 this morning on a rapid antigen test. That's according to a new letter from his physician, Dr. Kevin O'Connor. The letter does not say explicitly whether the president's experiencing any symptoms. Dr. O'Connor writes that the president will continue his strict isolation and will work from the White House residence and will be monitored daily. Karen Travers, ABC News, Washington. Since Brittany Griner last appeared in her trial for cannabis possession in Russia, the question of her fates expanded from a cramped courtroom on Moscow's outskirts to the highest level of Russian-U.S. diplomacy. The WNBA star and two-time Olympic gold medalist is to return to court tomorrow. That's a month after beginning of a trial in which she could face 10 years in prison. As the trials progress, the Biden administration has faced rising calls for action to win a release. In an extraordinary move, Secretary of State Antony Blinken last week spoke to his Russian counterpart, 
urging him to accept a deal under which Greiner and Paul Whelan, an American imprisoned in Russia on an espionage conviction, would go free. A huge grain shipment has finally departed Ukraine. More from ABC's Ian Pinnell in Kharkiv. The first grain ship to leave Ukraine since the start of the war has just departed from Odessa. It's a high-risk journey. The Rizzoni's being guided through heavily mined waters loaded with 26,000 tons of corn. It's hoped the shipments will start to ease a global hunger crisis made worse by the war. ABC's Patrick Reval is there. The first ship is finally leaving from here in Odessa, moving very slowly from the port. It's headed for Turkey. It's a major breakthrough for ending Russia's blockade. The entire Ukrainian coastline under a Russian blockade since the start of the war. Recovery of some vulnerable species through restoration efforts has made comebacks more difficult for others in peril. Once endangered animals, including the iconic bald eagle, sometimes jeopardize more rare species like the great cormorant by eating them or outcompeting them for food and living space. Similar circumstances have turned up elsewhere, challenging wildlife experts who want all creatures to thrive in balanced, healthy environments. Conflicts have involved revived U.S. species like gray seals, birds of prey, and even turkeys. Wildlife managers around the country are working on creating solutions to the consequences of species salvation. There are more dead and still missing in Kentucky after devastating flooding. More from ABC's Derek Dennis. Now at least 35 dead and counting in Kentucky flooding as crews search for scores of missing people believed to have been washed away. Governor Andy Bashir announcing the rising death toll on Twitter after giving a press conference earlier in the day saying there are hundreds unaccounted for at minimum, but that crews are working hard to find them all. Still in the emergency response mode, still doing search and rescue. Kentucky is in a state of emergency, and President Biden has issued a federal disaster declaration. Among the dead, four children from one family alone. Derek Dennis, ABC News. A psychiatrist says the parents of Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting victims live with a complex form of post-traumatic stress disorder and constant fear that followers of conspiracy theorist Alex Jones will kill them. Roy Lubbett, a forensic psychiatrist hired by plaintiffs Neil Heslin and Scarlett Lewis to review the trauma they faced, testified today at Jones's defamation trial in Austin that the overwhelming cause of their ongoing trauma is Jones's claims. The 2012 massacre in which six educators and 20 students, including their son Jesse, were killed was a hoax or faked. The trial is to determine how much Jones owes the parents for defaming them. They're seeking at least $150 million. School resumes in Los Angeles in two weeks, and the nation's second-largest school district has an issue. More from ABC's Alex Stone. Up to 20,000 LAUSD students are missing from enrollment. They're either not enrolled or they just stopped attending classes last year once in-person learning resumed. The superintendent says some students appear to be out because of family issues, caring for a younger sibling while parents work, or the student got a job to support the family, or families have chosen to enroll their children elsewhere and never notified the district. Others, though, their whereabouts are unknown. Alex Stone, ABC News, Los Angeles. A group of top climate scientists say the world needs to think about the ultimate climate catastrophe, human extinction, and how possible it is. They're calling on the world's main climate science body to look at the ultimate climate catastrophes, no matter how remotely unlikely they, they seem. They say the worst of the worst-case scenarios are being ignored. The scientists say they are not likely to happen but need to be studied so we can be sure. It's a small risk management to know remotely possible the very worst is, they say, so the world can better avoid it. 
A popular music festival in Atlanta has been canceled. ABC's Aaron Katursky tells us there's a question if gun laws could be the reason. Fallout Boy, Jack White, and others were set to perform next month before Live Nation canceled Music Midtown in Atlanta's Piedmont Park. The promoter did not say why, but John Monroe with the gun rights group GA2A said the festival would have been required to allow guns. If they lease the property where they have their festival from a public entity, like in this case the city of Atlanta and Piedmont Park, then they have to abide by the rules pertaining to public property. And since 2019, that would include the right to carry on public land in Georgia. Billboard reports gun rights advocates had threatened to sue if Music Midtown tried to ban guns. Aaron Katursky, ABC News. And it was super pets over UFOs at the weekend box office. ABC's Christopher Watson has the weekend numbers. I have an owner, and he's Superman. Dwayne Johnson there is the voice of Superman's dog, Crypto, in the animated DC League of Super Pets, which enjoyed a first-place box office debut, earning $23 bucks. Let's go, baby! Let's go! Jordan Peele's Nope now slides into second place, posting a two-week total domestic gross of $80.5 million. I have a story. Despite generally positive reviews, the dark comedy Vengeance, the week's only other wide release, opened in 10th place. Christopher Watson, ABC News. WSJM News now continues with your weather forecast.